What's up, everyone? What is up? What's up? What's up? It's your man, I do a barber, back with another Beyond the Chair podcast. It's Wednesday. It's early. And typically, I do this at night, but it's early. I figure, hey, let me just get this out of the way. I'm in the mood. I'm feeling it. Let's just get it cracking. So in this video, I'm going to explain to you guys my simple strategy on how you can become a millionaire as a barber. Now, look, this doesn't apply if you're only a barber. You don't have to be a barber for this to apply to you you, you this, it's going to apply for anyone working any job and just remember this is my strategy on how i'm going to become a millionaire as a barber so you can say as a carpenter or as a it tech person or as a car mechanic or as a librarian or accountant whatever just insert your job title into the mix and that's how you're going to become a millionaire now look I want to throw a few disclaimers out there. One, I'm not a financial advisor, okay? Let's be clear. I'm just an idiot on YouTube, okay? Two, this is just my strategy. You can do something that works best for you, and I'm, I kid you not, you could probably become a millionaire quicker than I can. My target goal is eight to ten years, okay? Now, you can, you might be able to become a millionaire in five years. It's, I'm, kid you not, guys, trust me, it's highly possible, and I I know I could probably do it myself. I just don't want to do this because that means I would have to stop barbering and I actually love my job. So I really don't want to stop barbering. Now we're going to break down some stuff once we go deeper into the numbers in this video. And I'm going to show you guys that I could possibly become a millionaire even quicker than my projected numbers, but we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff in the video. So disclaimer, another disclaimer I want to throw out there is, um, you got to get focused and take some action, okay? Because a lot of this stuff, you're not going to get there if you don't have a plan, okay? So let's just get right into it. Uh, you know, I don't really want to waste too much time. I'm actually going to try and speak a little bit quickly because I don't want this to be a lengthy video. I want this to be easy for you to, uh, to digest as possible so we can just really get through the nitty-gritty of what we got to talk to. And if you guys have questions and things like that, you know, I can answer you guys' questions. And shout-out to everyone who's watching. Trust me. And by the way, if you don't have time to listen through this video, trust me, you're not going to be successful. I'm just going to be honest. If you don't have time to listen to this video for an extended amount of time, trust me, you're not going to be successful because doing this or really any plan to get rich or wealthy, it takes time and you got to have patience and discipline. If you don't have that, you're not going to get rich. Just remember that guy. I, I, I'm sorry. If, if you can't stomach this, if you can't watch the video, trust me, you're not going to get rich. Okay, because you're looking for a get, get rich quick scheme, you're looking for something overnight. And a lot of times that stuff is not going to happen for the vast majority. For the vast majority, we got to really work hard, be disciplined and have some patience along the way. And another thing uh, for before I go into this. When I mean rich. I'm meaning $1 million. Now, that I'm just using that for argument's sake. That doesn't mean just because you have a million dollars, you're rich. Some people's idea of rich could be five, 10 million, maybe 700,000, whatever. For the sake of the argument, I'm using $1 million as the barometer of being rich, okay? So let's get right into it. So I was recently listening to my man, uh, Jay Morrison. Shout out to Jay Morrison. He has a YouTube channel too. He, he, he does a lot of stuff in real estate. And he said, I was just listen to one of his videos and it wasn't, I wasn't listening to the video for what he specifically said that really was like, whoa. He just said it in the video and I was like, man, that's, that's deep. 
And I started thinking about it. And I was like, wow, that really does apply to really just about everyone. So if you guys have families, you know, if you got, if you have a family, if you have kids, whatever the case may be, he said this, he said, you've got to be the CEO of your family name. If you guys don't know what a CEO is, it's pretty simple. It's the chief executive officer. It's the guy who makes a lot of the decisions uh, within a company, yada, yada, yada. So he said, you got to be the CEO of your family name. So that, when he said that, I, I was just thinking to myself, it really resonated because I was like, hmm, that's really true when you think about it. And look, I, I'm not trying to tr sound chauvinistic, okay? I'm just saying a, a lot of the guys make a lot of the, the decisions in the house. I know some women will be like, eh, eh. shut up, okay? Just listen, okay? But as a man, you know, you should be making good, solid, quality decisions for your family and decisions that's going to put your family in a better position in the future. Ladies, fellas, like whoever's making the decision, if the person who's making the decisions for you and your family is not making good decisions and your family is not progressing forward, you know, you, you guys are making too many sideways moves or too many backwards moves. This person is probably not a good CEO for your family. Now, it made me think about myself. I was like, hmm, have I been a good CEO since we moved here because I made an executive decision to move to Texas. I, I mean, of course, you know, talked it out with my wife too, but <clears throat> we made an executive decision, or at least I did to move to Texas. So that was an executive decision that I actually had to make for our family. Now, was that a good move? Now it was a long-term move and a play, but for the here now, when I look back on it, it was a good move. Uh, now, if you look at my performance as CEO of my family name within the past few years, have I been a good CEO? When I look back at it, I'm going to be honest. I would say no reason because you got to be real. Like, listen, I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. Y'all got to be real with yourself. You can't sugarcoat this stuff. You can't lie to yourself. You can't be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the man. Like, no, be real with yourself. So I'm looking at my performance over the past three years or whatever, have I been a good CEO? I'm going to be honest. No. Reason I say that is because I could have done more as CEO of my family name. There is more I could have done. And of course, hindsight is always 2020, guys. Like you can look back on your life and be like, man, if I would have did this, like, dang, I shouldn't have did this. Oh man, if I would have zigged, you know, instead of zagged, if I should, you know, all of this stuff is hypothetical stuff. And of course, hindsight is 2020. Now, when I look at these things in hindsight, it's like, hmm, these are things that were supposed to get done, but didn't get accomplished. So therefore there's more onus on me. Now, when I look at my performance of me being CEO of my family name over the past year, how do I perform? How do I look at my performance of CEO the past year? It's actually pretty good. So the first few years were pretty rocky, but the last year has been great. And the future is looking great as well. Now, here's one thing. I do these stock portfolio updates every week on the channel. I, and a lot of you guys don't watch them. You don't listen to them for whatever reason, which I'm going to be honest. Some of y'all are kind of idiots because the stuff that I'm talking about there, I'm talking about ownership. I'm talking about building wealth for you, investing. These are things that a lot of people don't do. And it's unfortunate that people don't do this, but I'm, I'm going to be real. If you don't start investing in something, if you don't try and take ownership of something, trust me, you're not going to be able to retire with dignity. You're not going to have money when you're older. You're going to be working like a slave to the day you die. And that's not cool. Okay. So when I look at a lot of stuff, I was like, Hmm, okay. Yeah. I got to make some, some good decisions. So 
the, the decisions I've been making in the past year and a lot of the things that have been put into play, great moves. Okay, the, the last year, the moves have been great. The future looks great. And this is why the stock market is so important because it really ties into your life. It really ties into business. So I highly recommend you get into stocks in some, in some form of fashion. Because what it's going to tell you is, especially if you really are into it and you, you're into doing the fundamental analysis, you're really into the numbers, you're really into the research, all of this stuff applies to a lot of things in your everyday life. You look at a company before you invest, you're looking to see if one, what? Is a company profitable? That's what you're looking for. You're, okay, uh, if a company is profitable, that means they're doing good things. Then another thing you look for is how much debt does this company have? Same thing in your personal life. How many expenses do you have coming out? A lot of people live beyond their means. A lot of people have a lot of debt and they're fighting an uphill battle. And a lot of them don't know how to get out of debt. So all they do is they just maintain the debt and then hope to pay the debt off in like 10, 15 years. How many times you see people there? They've held on to student loan debt, personal loan debt for 10 plus years. This is idiotic, okay? So these are things you got to really look at. And this is things that investing in the stock market will help you do. This is going to help you with a lot of things in your personal life. You're going to research the management of the company. How good is the management? How long has the, the, the CEO been in the COO? How long have these people been the executives? What is their performance during their tenure? Who was the uh, the CEO before them? How was this company performing before this person was CEO? How is the person how is this company performing after this person has become C CEO? Is this is this company performing? Are the revenues going up? Is the profitability there? How much debt do they have? Is the debt growing? What type of debt is it? Like a lot of the stuff that applies from the stock market applies to your personal life. And this is why it's so important that you guys got to start investing for your future. It is so important. Okay. Now I'm going to go into the strategies. Now this strategy, this is my strategy. I'm, I'm, li I'm literally going to tell you guys my strategy on how I plan to make my family rich. Okay. I'm going to lay down everything for you guys in this video. Okay. So and by the way, if you want to get started investing, there's links in the description below to Robinhood. You sign up, you get a free stock. There's also a link to Webull. You sign up, fund your account with $100. You get two free stocks. Crazy, right? Crazy. I just opened up a Webull account uh, recently. I just bought $7,000 worth of Apple shares. And then I just bought some Tesla shares this morning. I'm probably going to buy some more Tesla shares here soon. But let's get into um, how I plan to get rich. Now, Remember this, I am the CEO of my family name. Shout out to OG or OJ. I'm the CEO of my family name. I have to make executive decisions that will put my family in a better position for the future. My whole goal is to build my family's name, build wealth for my family, change the family tree. That is my goal as CEO of my family name, okay? Now listen, here's the plan. My plan is this. Now we're going to go deeper into it, but I'm going to I'm going to give it to you on the surface level. My plan is to retire from barbering in 8 to 10 years. That's my target. 8 to 10 years to retire from barbering. I'm giving myself 8 to 10 years to become a millionaire, okay? Once that happens, I'm going to retire from barbering and I'm going to exclusively get into real estate. Now, I'm not going to be actively constantly flipping houses or wholesaling houses. Blah, blah. I'm looking to get into real estate to invest and be a landlord. Okay. Do long, short or long term rentals and invest in real estate. And 
I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'll be cutting hair uh, once I go into retirement. If I do, I'm going to be honest, because I talked about this a long time ago in another podcast that when I retire from barbering and I become a millionaire, there's no really no reason for me to be cutting hair anymore. I'm going to be honest. If I do cut hair, I'm going to be cutting hair for a lot of money. Like you're going to have to really pay for me to cut your hair at that point. So, and, and another thing, it's not going to be a scenario where I'm in the barber shop trying to cut hell to the no, hell no. It's going to be some next level stuff. So, uh, at that point, again, I'm still going to have the YouTube channel. I'm going to do content. So it's going to be me doing a bunch of fun stuff that I like to do in life once I go into retirement. So, yes, I'm going to retire, but I'm not going to just like, like retire and then do absolutely nothing. You know, like the dream of everyone. Like that's not my dream is to not do nothing. That that just doesn't sit right with me. I've got to be doing something. OK, so retire in eight to 10 years, become a millionaire within that eight to 10 years, and then get into real estate. Now let's break on, let's break down the key details on what I'm going to do to get there. Okay. Let me share my screen with you guys. Cause this is the important part that you guys actually need to see some of the data here. Okay. So let's look at first, I have a mortgage. Okay. Now everyone's mortgage is different and the real estate is going to be one of the assets that is going to be in my portfolio for me to build my wealth. Currently, this house we have, I think I have about 170 something thousand left to pay off on this house. The house, the value of the house, it's in the twos. I don't know exactly. Obviously, I haven't gotten it appraised, but I've gotten offers on this house. And I was like, hmm. If they're off, and I know these people are like wholesalers and stuff like this. I've, I've gotten an offer on my house from Open Door, and I'm like, man, if they're willing to offer me this much for the house, I wonder, I, can, I know I could probably sell this house for a lot more. Now, um, so again, my mortgage, the how much I owe is around 170 So let's say whenever the plan is, there's a few plans, me, a CEO, that I've made for this house. Plan number one, pay the house off in full. We move out, put long-term renters in this property, Let's say I'm renting it for $2,000 a month, you know, because of course rents go up over time. So let's, and, and who knows, maybe rents will be more around the time we actually plan to move out of this house. But we're just using 2000 as a conservative number. I actually looked in my area at other rentals within the area and how much they're charging. I've seen some for 17, I've seen some for 18. And the one for 18 was a really nicer house. And the, our house, we it, it's actually nice. So, it, you know, it's not old like some of the, the, rentals that I've looked in this area, some of the comps, they're a little bit like dated and not updated. So I'm going to compare my house to that other one that is updated. I'm going to compare it to that. So we're just going to conservatively say, let's say the rent's $2,000 10 years from now or eight years from now, conservatively, right? So that's strategy number one. And then use that all of that income that we get from this house because it's going to be paid off. Use this to funnel and fund other real estate deals or use this money to fund our next house where we live here in Texas. Cause we do. And the plan is I want to have a house, another house in Texas. I want to have a condo in Florida. I want to have a house in the Caribbean. I want to have another house overseas in Russia. Okay. That that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day, but that is my plan to have houses all over the world. If I want to just go somewhere, go to a different part of the world and just go live there for a few months, I will have that option. That's the option that I plan on having. Okay. If the weather's bad or if I don't like what's going on, 
I'll just move. I'll, hey, I'm like, Texas, ah, the weather's cold. There's no beach. I feel like going to a beach for a few months. I can do that because I have, I'll have a house in Florida. You know, if I want to go live in the Caribbean for a little bit, or man, I'm like, oh man, it's hurricane season is about to happen over here in the Caribbean. Let me get the hell up out of here. I can do that. Okay. That's the beauty of putting yourself in position to do the things that you want to do in life. So like I said, this house, once we play it, that strategy number one, pay this house off, use it to fund other real estate deals or our lifestyle, whatever, or just use this money to invest. But we're going to get a little bit deeper into that strategy. Number two for this house, wait till we pay this house down to about 40 to $20,000, then move out. So have the renters pay off the rest of the balance, the, the little small amount, and they can just pay that off quickly and we can fund other deals with our active income, our, our earned income, i.e. work. Okay, so you see here on the screen, the example, $200,000 mortgage, 30-year term, 4% interest. I don't know what interest rates are now, but we'll just use a four for now just because it's a good, nice little number. Now, this is what I want you guys to pay, pay attention to. Look at this. Look at how much interest you're going to pay on a $200,000 house at 4% interest, $143,000. Now, if you guys didn't realize how much interest you're paying when you when it comes to vehicles, homes, uh, personal loans, credit cards, this stuff can kill you if you do not pay attention to the interest. Pay attention to the interest because those people who pay attention to the interest and understand interest, they learn how to earn interest. Okay, so check this out. I'm going to show you the 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 amortization schedule of this mortgage and how important it is to pay your mortgage off early and how much money you can save by paying your mortgage off early. And that is our plan. The plan, even when we like literally when we were at the title company signing all of the docs, I either, I remember though, I can't remember what page it was on, but I remember seeing the amateur, uh, the amortization of our mortgage and saw how much interest we would have will. Well, interest we will have paid if we would just stay on schedule for 30 years. I looked at my wife. I was like, whoa. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, yeah, we're paying this house off quick. I was like, I'm not trying to pay this much. So think about this, right? Say, just think about this. Follow me for a second. You really wanted a house that's worth $350,000, right? You would then like your dream house could have cost you $350,000. But you can't afford a $350,000 house. However, you can afford a $200,000 house. In reality, you're really paying almost $350,000 when you include all of the interest and everything. Now, look, everyone can just pay cash for a house. I get it. Okay, I get it. But this is just the example that I'm trying to get in your head about how important it is to worry about the interest and get this stuff out of your way. If you if you have something that's high interest credit, uh, credit debt, whatever, like personal, like whatever mortgage, whatever, that's really going to kill you in the interest. You want to get this stuff out of your way because this stuff is going to kill you from building wealth. Now, check this out. You see how much interest in the beginning? Oh, man, six, six, six. Dang, let me. Get, okay, let me scroll down a little bit. Okay, so you see how much interest you're paying right here. You see this number, the 656.92. You see how much interest you're paying. And look how little is going towards principal, $297. So in the beginning, a lot of the money is going towards principal. Okay. So let's just use this example. We'll go right here to 195. Whoa. 195. Okay. Damn. Why does it keep doing that? Anyway, $195,000 right here is the balance of the mortgage. Okay. So let's say you've had this mortgage for a year. You've paid it down to 
$195,000. Okay, let's say you have a plan. And now this is our plan. I, I talked with my wife and I was like, hey, this is the strategy. We've got to put an extra $10,000 a year at minimum. Okay, so remember that at minimum, that's our strategy at minimum to put down towards this mortgage on top of everything else. So at minimum, every year we're going to pay at $10,000. Okay, so let's say we're at this $195,000. Uh, mark that we're going to fast forward to $185,000. So look, we're at October 21. Keep that in mind. The interest that you're paying is 653. Keep in mind. Okay. So we're going to skip all the way down to $185,000. Okay. So we're right here. We'll go to the middle mark. Okay. $185,000. We just skipped three years of payments by paying an extra $10,000 on this mortgage. You see the interest totally changed. Interest interest totally changed. You see that it went from where is that? 652 all the way to 619 in interest. And that's saving you. And all of these little interest payments in between, you saved yourself all that money just by paying an extra $10,000 a year. Now, you see how much money you saved over the course of that time. So look at the interest. This number here, this this uh, $11,000, $11,200 right here, this is the amount of interest that you have been paying throughout the lifetime of the mortgage. So at this point of $195,000, we're at 98, okay? Well, okay, no. We're at, uh, no, no, $9,200, okay? And let's go here, $30,000. So by go ahead and skipping or paying that extra 10,000, you just saved yourself over $10,000. Now let's say you do that again, right? Cuz right now you would have paid up you you would have paid $30,000 in interest if you would have just paid every single payment on time. So we're going to skip ahead because we're we're about to drop a whole tranche of money at this mortgage, okay? So we'll skip all the way down to 175 and look, we bought, you know, you got that 30,000 mark. So 185 to 175 boom, 47 thousand dollars so you just saved yourself seventeen thousand dollars right there in interest by going ahead and skipping those payments this is the beauty of paying your mortgage off early because you really want to keep this money and put it back into your pocket and all of this money that you're saving you can put this money into other investments just like i told you earlier the total value that you would have spent for this house this, and this doesn't even include uh, property tax. So we're not even including property tax or maybe you ha have PMI. Like, you know, that stuff's not even included. Uh, but I'm just letting you know that's a lot of money that you're going to be paying if you're not careful of what you're doing. Now, here's another thing. Me, I invest. I invest my money and I have a few different brokerage accounts. So if you guys know, like if you pay attention to the stock portfolio updates, uh, that I do every week. I have Robinhood. That's my the one that I really like show all the moves and stuff that I'm making in that portfolio. So I have Robinhood. My wife has M1. I also have Webull. And I have a little money in another brokerage account that's really insignificant. But uh, I recently opened up a Webull account and that account, I think I have about 10 grand in that account because uh, I just bought some Tesla shares today. So My plan is to invest $20,000 every year for this eight to 10, or really just forever, right? Forever, because I'm not going to stop investing. I'm going to continue to put money 
and fund my account every month, every year, every decade, blah, blah. And I ain't going to live another hundred years, so I can't say century. But I'm just letting you know, that is the goal. $20,000 a year at minimum, guys. Like, think about this at minimum. So I'm over here saying this because there might be a year where I could fund this account with $40,000. Qu quite possibly. I could fund this account with $40,000, maybe $50,000 if I have a good year, right? Like, as you get older, I'm going to be real with y'all. As you get older, your income should increase. Okay, guys, so remember that. And this is one of the things I always tell people when you're going through life, like you shouldn't make the same money. You should always increase the amount of money that you're making. And that's going to happen if you invest or if you have assets. Okay, now, of course, you could use your skills and work and stuff like this. But of course, yeah, even with work, you should increase the amount of money that you make. But when you have assets, when you have ownership of stuff, the ball game changes. Okay, your trajectory changes. When you talk about your your income, okay. Now, of course, I talk more about this stuff like uh, on Patreon. If you guys want to go deeper, you know, hit me up on Patreon. We could talk one on one. Uh, I do video requests and stuff on Patreon. That's like the mentorship program stuff. If you want to get down and holler at me on the Patreon, link is in the description below. So, again, minimum twenty thousand dollars. Now you see. I put the current value right. So if you guys have been following. Uh, my stuff on Robinhood, uh, we'll say, actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do 30000 because I'm pretty sure by the end of the year, this portfolio is going to be around $30,000. That's just my projection because right now this portfolio's value is $27,000, somewhere around there. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to fund an extra $3,000 by the end of the year. I mean, look, it's only August, okay? We got like, what, four or five more months left in this year. I'm pretty sure this portfolio value is going to go up. Oh, I'm actually pretty sure, yeah, it's going to go over uh, $30,000. But we'll just be conservative. So $30,000 is the portfolio value. And this is what I always tell you guys what is so important. Starting yield is so important to compound interest, guys. And this is why I try and tell my young people, start investing now. Stop bullshitting. Stop playing around. Stop going out and partying. Stop spending your money on shoes and clothes trying to look cool. Stop wasting your money on cars that you don't know shit about. Yeah, it looks cool. You want to ride around with your friends. You want to keep up with the Joneses. Like You don't want to seem like the corny dude. What's corny is... When you're 40 something, 50 something, and you have no money to show, you have no strategy or plan on retiring. You have no wealth for your family name, especially if you have a family. You have been a horrible CEO. I've talked about, I said this earlier. You have to be the CEO of your family name. Shout out to Jay Morrison for this, okay? So you have to be the CEO of your family name. Are the decisions you're making? going to put you in a better position in the future. Now, a lot of the moves, as you see right now, right, this plan right now, a lot of the stuff that I'm on right now, these things that I'm laying out for you, this is the 10-year plan. I also have a plan for years 10 to 20. I'm not just, I'm just not telling you about this stuff right now. The importance is I have a 10-year plan. Most people don't even have a five-year plan. But I have a 10-year plan, and I also have a 10 to 20-year plan, okay? Most people don't have this, and this is what I'm trying to tell you guys. I want to get you guys thinking, guys. I want, you, I want to get you guys to start investing, and even if you don't understand investing, 
it's okay. It takes time, right? Just start researching bit by bit, brick by brick. And always, I, I said this before in a few of my stock portfolio up, update videos is I'm building wealth brick by brick. This is how we're doing it over here, brick by brick. This is how a house is built, brick by brick. We didn't just have a handful of bricks, toss it into the air, and then hopefully something materialized. No, we're building this all brick by brick. Okay, and you want to know what brick by brick, the perfect example of brick by brick. Check this out. So if you, over the weekend, which I know a lot of you guys didn't tune into the MMA live stream, I was live streaming, doing commentary to the fights. One of my subscribers, shout out to Howard Kim. Shout out to, I got to give Howard Kim a massive shout out because he, one, he was a man of his word and he did exactly what he said. Because a lot of people come in here and talk, you know, and then they say stuff, but they don't follow through with it or they're not real with it. Shout out, I got to give a massive shout out to my subscriber, Howard Kim. Howard Kim, he, he bet me, okay? He bet me on a fight that was happening. And I was like, hey, I'll take that bet. The bet was small, okay? Like, I was kind of hoping he would have, like, wanted to bet more. But I was like, okay, we'll just make a $25 bet. All right, cool. Perfect example of brick by brick. So my fighter won. Howard Kim immediately sent me the money through PayPal. Check this out. What I told Howard Kim was like, come Monday morning, Howard Kim, you know what I'm going to do with this money? I'm not going to blow this money and do something stupid. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this money into AT&T stock. And what I did Monday morning, I bought, actually I bought two shares of AT&T stock, all because of courtesy of Howard Kim. That's called brick by brick. You know, I could easily go out and, and buy, let's say, 50 shares of AT&T. I could do that. But not everyone can do that. So I'm just trying to tell you, it takes time. You have to have discipline when it comes to investing. This is why a lot of people lose money in the short term. They go out there and they hear these lavish stories about someone making $100,000 in a day. Oh, I made $1,000 today. Oh, I made $100,000 this month. Look, guys, that's not the case for a lot of people. A lot of these people are selling you lifestyle and they're selling you a dream. And a lot of people get caught up in this because they want so they want instant gratification so much. They just fall in love with the lifestyle and they just want it like just like that. They they want it right away. And this is going to be your downfall because you're going to go into something that you don't know anything about. You didn't do any research. You don't understand how the, the fundamentals of the business works or the strategy that you're using to try and make money. And you, you're going to lose your ass. You're going to lose your ass real bad. Okay. So remember, we got to have discipline when it comes to investing. Okay. So if you can't imagine like, oh man, you might want to become a millionaire, but you want to become a millionaire next week or last week. I could put you on a plan that will make you a millionaire in 10 years. But some people are like, man, I don't have 10 years. Okay. What, what's your plan then? Okay. What is your plan? Please tell me. Now, check this out. So portfolio value is $30,000, okay? Annual addition, a conservative, $20,000. Years of growth, 10 years. Uh, interest rate, 8%. So this is this is me saying that I'm going to get an 8% return on my money, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you're investing in stocks or whatever, uh, and, and this is a, an average number of what, like, the S&P has done over the course of many of years, Okay. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> you can get more than 8% if you know what you're doing. Now, this isn't you investing in mutual funds. This isn't you investing in an uh, ETF. N none of that. Now, there are some ETFs or some mutual funds that can outperform an 8% return annually. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. There are some that can easily do this, okay? But I'm talking about individual stock picking. I'm talking about you going out there, researching companies, finding out what's good, finding out what's some good trends, following them, if you know, the best of the best, following the best companies and getting well over a 10% or not 10%, but 8% return. I'm going to be honest. I can get 8% with a blindfold on, okay? So this number that I'm throwing at you guys right here is a very conservative number, okay? So just keep that in mind. The the return to S&P, just I'm just talking about S&P over the last 10 years has been well over 10%. So this 8% number is conservative. And by the way, the portfolio that I show you guys every week is a dividend-based portfolio, which means on top of the uh uh on top of the uh equity that I build from each of the stocks I'm also getting paid a percentage of dividends. So if you look at my, and this is my dividend portfolio right here, guys, like these are all the companies. Well, some of these I'm not invested in, like uh, Philip Morris and TD Bank. I don't have any money in those companies. They're just there. This just like kind of potential companies. But you see all these companies that I have uh, ownership in. I own all these companies. Apple, Avi, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Leggett & Platt, 3M, uh, Realty Incocore, Pepsi, Pfizer, Regions Bank, which is my bank, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Cisco, AT&T, I got 38 shares of AT&T, UPS, Verizon, Welltower Inc., Whirlpool, and ExxonMobil. You see my portfolio value is like right under 27000 But the important thing to note is the dividend yield, 4.37%. So let's say I can blindfold it. Let's say I can put a, put a do-rag put a put a bandana around my eyes and get 8%, let's just tack on an extra 14.3% in dividend yields, okay? And currently, my dividend portfolio, I think it's yielding, like on the year, year to date, I'm up like 23%. So like I said, very conservative number when I'm talking about this 8%, okay? But actually, you know what? Let's not do 8%. Let's do 12 because let's just put the dividends in here. Let's just do, we'll just do 14. We'll round it down. We want to be real conservative, okay? So this is how much money I'm going to have in 10 years. If I stay on track, guys, do you see what I'm saying? If I stay on track, current portfolio value at the end of this year will be, because I'm going to be 40 this year, okay? I'm going to be 40. So I think by the time I turn 40, I will have $30,000 in this particular account. And also, uh, of course, the twenty thousand dollar annual addition with a fourteen. Wait, did I say yeah? With a fourteen uh, percent return, I'll have over half a million in this particular account. Okay, pay attention to that. That is huge. And how important starting yield is to compound interest for your future. You guys need to understand this. This is very important for your future. Starting yield. The quicker you, my young people, stop playing around. You don't want to listen to this video, and this is going to be the reason you're not successful. Starting yield is so important to your future of compound interest. Get started today, please. Okay, if you don't understand the market, just to, just invest into ETFs. Very easy to research because the smart people are doing all the work for you. You just invest in the ETF. And then once you start gaining more knowledge, you can start branching out from the ETFs and picking individual stocks if that's what you want to do. Or if you, or if you just want to continue to invest in ETFs. Like personally, like my wife, she has M1. I have her set up. She invests in four different ETFs because she doesn't understand the stock market. And I just have her invest in the ETFs. She just deposits the money. 
uh, rations it off to all four ETFs, and then she gets dividend yields. And then, of course, she gets capital growth on the, the appreciation of the, the ETF itself. So, and it, let's say I die before my wife. I'm going to leave her very clear instructions to liquidate my portfolio if you do not want to, which actually I'm going to I'm going to leave my wife actually very specific instructions uh, when I die for my portfolio to. Of course, I've got to assess. Okay, so look, let's just look at my portfolio. Okay, this is the dividend portfolio. Let's just look at this now at a certain point. I'm going to only hold companies that I plan to hold forever. Like this portfolio, I will pan this down to my kids and they will manage the portfolio and hand it on and hand it on. And basically you could either live off of the dividends that this uh, portfolio generates or still contribute to it, which I will hope that they would still contribute to the portfolio. Now, some of these companies I do plan to hold forever. Companies like Apple, AbbVie, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, AT&T and a few other companies in here, I would plan to hold forever. Some of these companies, I see myself selling them off in about three to five years. Like I don't plan on holding Chevron and Exxon Mobil forever per se. I can see myself selling some of these off, but I'm going to leave very clear instructions for her. Like, Hey, liquidate some of this stuff, put it all into these particular stocks and just continue to fund it. Or if you cannot handle that, just put it all into the ETFs equally, you know, sectioned off by fours, put it all into the ETFs that you have, and then just let it grow that way. Very simple instructions. Okay. So let's say, and now of course that's if I die before my wife. So again, look, you see this 14%. This is the amount of money. Now, look, I also, like I say, this is only this portfolio. So my wife, she has a portfolio of her own that she invests in. I also have a growth portfolio. That's something solely different from just this dividend portfolio with what is go- what it's going to generate in eight to, well, no, 10 years, I should say, 10 years, okay? Then you have on top of that the money that I have in real estate from the house that we currently live in because at that point, that house will be paid off. You see how this is working. You see how the wealth building process works. So the appreciation of my house within the next 10 years, let's say, let's hope the value of the house doesn't uh, go down tremendously. What Even if it does, I won't really care because I will just rent the place out and then just cash flow it. Okay. So that's just one of those things like you got to understand about real estate. Some people get freaked out when their the value of their home goes out. And especially if they're a, a renter, that that's one of those things that you shouldn't really worry about unless you plan on selling it soon. But you can still generate cash flow from it. So my net worth at this point will be a million dollars and I plan to retire. OK, so one thing I want to go back to, I want to talk about. Let me look at the comments. Shout out to everyone that shout out to everyone uh, that's watching Tito, Jason. I started small time. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm t- look, he says Texas got some nice houses for cheap compared to California. Now. Here in Dallas specifically, and I know this like that with some of the other cities, a lot of people are moving to Texas. One, because there's no state income tax. Two, the cost of living is cheap. Three, the houses are cheap. So you, let's say you sell your $700,000 house in California, which is maybe rinky-dink. You can get a $400,000 house here in Texas that's way bigger than your house in California and have land and have money to spare. 
tons of people are moving, have, well, have moved from California and still are moving from California to Texas. It's part of the reason why I moved to Texas. I moved to Texas from Florida. So, of course, me being the CEO of my family name, I had to make that executive decision. Now, let's talk about let's talk about um, banking. OK. And how to make money. Let me uh, let me do this real quick because I want to I want to take this off the screen. So I want to want to talk to you guys real quick. Like. All right. So here's one thing I want to talk to you guys about. So because some of you guys have money in the bank, right? Some people have over $100,000 in the bank. Some people have $50,000 in the $20,000, $30,000 in the bank. Some people just have money in the bank for whatever reason. I don't agree with this, okay? Now, if you guys watch my video, which video was it? Uh, oh, yes. It was the the Apple video. Just go look at it. And what is one of my more recent videos where I talked about how I just bought, whoops, let me, okay. I talked about how I just bought $7,000 worth of Apple stock, uh, like last week. Now, if you didn't watch the video, I'm going to sum it up. Well, I'm going to sum up the, the reason why I did this now. Okay. My wife has a lease on a vehicle. The lease will be up. Um, the lease will be up. In November, the plan was to pay this off, just get rid of the debt, because at that point, when we pay it off, we could save ourselves about, yeah, we could save ourselves over $500 a month in just payments, right? And just kind of get back some, to lower the expenses. That was the plan as CEO, right? I'm the CEO of my family name. I got to make executive decisions. So that was a decision. I was like, okay, yeah, this sounds like a good decision. Then I started thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, we got this money in the bank. And yeah, we could pay this money towards this car but now here's the thing this is a this is a strategy for me to help me build some wealth so the strategy was okay i can pay this off but it's dead money by me paying this car this lease off early like whether i pay it off a year from now six months from now two years from now it's not going to change anything the amount the payoff amount is going to remain the same. It doesn't matter. So I'm thinking of this. I'm like, this is just dead money. If I just throw 13 or 14,000, because I think that's what the payoff is. 13, 14,000. If I just throw 13, 14,000 at this, I was like, that's just dead money. I was like, why? But, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the sound of that. So what I said to myself was this. I said, okay, since I want to start a growth portfolio, what I can do is this. Research some companies, pick some good companies to uh, invest in. I can invest all this money into these companies in the long term, three to five year span. I could see these companies doubling or tripling in value. I'm talking about stocks. Okay. So that, and that's what I was talking about why I want to start a growth portfolio. So my bullish thesis behind all of this is that these companies, I'm pretty sure by the research, when I just look at the numbers, my, my research on it. These companies will double or triple in value. So the two companies, well, I'm probably going to invest in maybe two or one or two more comp, one or two more growth companies. But the one was Apple. Of course, I told you guys I, I bought seven thousand dollars worth of Apple stock, and then this morning I bought uh, a few shares of Tesla. And I said to myself, if these prices can double or triple, that means I just paid this car for free from all of the appreciation of the equities that I own. 
and it's a win-win. So again, that's a, that's, that was an executive decision that I had to make. Now, here's the thing. Some of you might be like, man, but you still got the debt. Here's the thing. I can afford the debt. Even if I did, if, even if I didn't uh, lower our expenses, I can still pay these expenses. It's no problem. And another thing that also made me do this was this, because this is why it's so important for you guys to have a budget, budget your money and look at your monthly expenses. I say this all the time. I don't, when I look at my expenses, let me, let me check out something and smash the like button. If you're in the building, share this with anyone. Uh, if you feel in the content or someone needs to hear this, share it with them, please. Cause these are strategies to build wealth. And I'm, I'm, I'm really letting you guys go into my mind and how I look at things and how I approach money, how I approach some of the moves that I make with money. Now, here's the move that I also made. And another reason why I decided to put this money into growth stocks versus just throwing thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000 of dead money into this vehicle. Of course, because the vehicle is always going to go down in value. You know, these equities that I own, they will go up in value. Okay. Imagine this. Do you think Tesla or Apple stock will go down in value over the next three to five years? Nah, nah. And if you've researched the companies, you'd be like, oh, no, hell no, no, no. Now, check this out. Here's another reason why. I started looking at our childcare expenses, right? Because I got two kids and we got to pay childcare expenses for them. And this amount of money that we pay every year is about like $4,800, right? So I looked at something and I was like, whoa, I could save us about $2,000 a year in childcare expenses just by just doing this little one thing or possibly even save us more than $2,000. So when I do stuff, when I estimate numbers, I always go conservative. I always go conservative. You don't want to just top out and be like, yo, I'm going to be saving 50, uh, 50 grand a year, putting it into growth stocks and put it 50 grand a year into this investment. No, because you might have one or two years where you're able to do that over the course of 10, but that might not be the case all the time. Okay. So I always go conservative. So I'm saving myself $200 a, or $2,000 a year in childcare expenses by me making this one little tweak, which is around $166 and 66 cents a month, whatever. So I figured, Hey, if I could save this, that means that still puts some money in my pocket where I can still just, I won't feel the sweat of paying off this car or still hanging on to this car payment. So I was like, Hmm, that is highly doable. I was like, I like this risk and I'm willing to take this risk which is really not that much of a risk because I've mitigated a lot of the risk by saving myself on childcare expenses. And also, you know, here in the U S when kids turn 12, they can stay at home by themselves. So I won't have to really be worried about my kids. Like, Oh man, where are they? Okay. My son, he will be eight. Actually. Wow. This weekend, uh, my son, he'll actually be eight this weekend. So in four years, so around the time I'll pay her car off, we will eliminate child care expenses completely, which means I won't be, I'll, I'll save at that point, another two to $3,000. So imagine that I'll save almost two to $3,000 a year there. And then I'll also save over $500 in, uh, car payments and extra insurance and blah, blah, blah. So I'm saving almost $700 and you add that up. $700 uh, for a year, that is 84, yeah, $8,400 annually. 
Whoops. Whoa, that was crazy. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do with that $8,400? I'm not going to go out and buy some Jordans. I'm not going to go buy the, the dopest gold rope. I'm not going to go out and buy the newest iPhone. I'm not going to go out and just go make it rain in the strip club. Hell to the null. I'm putting all that money either into an investment account or I'm using that as principal pay down on my mortgage. So let me, let me, let me, uh, share my screen with you guys. Cause I want, I want to show something to you because again, I'm CEO of my family name. I'm the CEO. So I'm making executive decisions. Okay. For my family's future, for the betterment of the family, I'm making executive decisions. Okay. So check this out. You look from year one to year 10, this is my retirement goal. Okay. Now, Let's say this is the the trajectory. Damn, that's a hard word to say. This is the trajectory of our growth in building wealth or in this being the goal, right? Like this is the goal is to retire the 10 year goal. This is the goal, right? Again, I said eight to 10 years, right? Because there might be a chance or an opportunity in here where I can make a de- an executive decision that will change the trajectory to go from here to here. Boom. And I hit this goal right here instead of over here. Do you see that? This is when you're CEO and you got to make good decisions for the family. You really got to look at this stuff, guys. When you're, when you're CEO, imagine this, okay? Just think about this because both of these guys are giants and I don't think you would call either of these two guys dumb. Look at a guy like Warren Buffett. Look at a guy like Elon Musk. Both brilliant in two different arenas, right? Um, They're both business guys. Um, Buffett being more of the, like the bull when it comes to investing, but Elon when it comes to like scaling a business and things like this. But both of them like wildly, (laughs) has like crazy amounts of money. But Warren Buffett has been a billionaire long before Elon Musk. Buffett has had tons of money way before Elon Musk. But you look at Elon Musk's net worth when you compare it to Warren Buffett, like, whoa, this dude has closed a pretty good gap in a short amount of time. This is what being a good CEO is about. This is why uh, when you look and research a company and you're looking to invest into a company in the stock market, how important it is to find good management of a company because good management of a company can really close a gap really fast. They can make just a few tweaks in the operating expenses, a few um, tweaks with the company will totally change the trajectory of everything and the money that the shareholders make, the money that the company makes, the money that the executives make. It totally changes the outcome. So, like I said, this is the goal here. However, I could see myself hitting a million dollars around around this mark. And I'm going to tell you guys, you can, you can do this too. Like all of this stuff that I'm telling you guys, you guys can do this stuff too. It is not that difficult. If you have a partner, okay, you got to get your income up. If you guys aren't making a lot of money, it's going to be hard to try and do this to get to get rich or become a millionaire with when you're making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to have to. Whew, and I talked about this. Y'all got. And I even told this. I had to refocus my wife, you know, of course, because I'm the CEO. I had to tell my wife this yesterday. I was like, look, these next few years, we got to get focused because 
we can't waste money here because we've got it. Like, yeah, we've got a lot of extra cash, like, and just money just around because, you know, and it's easy to just go spend money on stuff, but that's going to be your demise. That's how people stay middle class. That's how people can't get out of middle class because they get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses, you know, instant gratification. They got money, they spend it. I told my wife, like, I got to reel you in. I was like, we got to be focused these next three years. These next three years are very important. We got to really put as much as we can in these next three years because this is going to be the determining factor on if we can get out of here sooner. Now, when I say get out of here, here's the thing. My daughter, she's six. Well, yeah, she will be six next year, next month. We can't really full on. Well, we can't leave her behind because she'll still be an adult like so when i'm 51 is when i think she, yeah i think she'll be 18 when i'm 51 yeah 51 or 52 something like this so i can't really completely like abandon her at that point up until i'm 51 or 52 so i still have work to do so this is why even when i hit 50 the goal is that the 10-year mark right well really 49 is when i plan on becoming a millionaire 49 maybe 47 I don't plan on abandoning her. I can't, right? Well, I guess I could I just leave her with my wife, but that's not the plan, okay? So that's not the plan. Just, just, just stay with me here. So I still have work to do up until 51. So I do plan on doing some stuff, but I'm going to definitely transition, okay? So if I make good decisions as CEO of my family name, I can hit this mark here instead of the 10-year mark and just kind of doing the status quo and blah, 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 blah. Me being a good CEO, I'm going to adjust with the times. I'm going to see opportunities. I'm going to analyze them, research them, and I'm going to take opportunities that will change the trajectory of everything, right? If, if I just do everything I just told you guys, I'm going to stay on this trajectory. If I don't change anything, I'm going to stay on this trajectory right here. But if I see something here, maybe in year four, year, year three, where I can change the trajectory, boom. I'm making decisions that affects the future, guys. This is what I want you guys to start thinking when you start, when you're thinking about spending money, like you, you got to look at your money and be like, hmm, can this money make money for me? By me spending this money, like how does this benefit me? Like start thinking like this, because here's one thing I want to show you guys. And what I want to tell you about your banks, banks specifically. Okay. So let me, let me do this real quick. Cause I, let me. I'm going to write this number here because I'm about to play with some numbers in my portfolio. I just got to remember to put this number back before, when I change this. So imagine this. And I tell you guys, let me check the comments. Shout out to everyone that's listening. Don't forget to uh, smash the like button. And if you guys have some comments, just drop some comments. stuff. You know, chat amongst yourselves. You know, do you like this information? Do you plan on implementing this information? And also, what is your net worth? I, I want to know. I always ask people this question, but no one ever wants to tell me. I want to know what's your net worth. Uh, like my net worth is in the six figure range. But like I said, I plan on becoming a millionaire in eight to 10 years. OK, so it's really easy to do when you have assets. When you have assets, you really can increase your net worth quicker because you can leverage your assets. You can your if you have assets starting yield it's, it's, it depends on which assets you have let me be clear depends on which assets you have but starting yield is very important but let's talk about banking right so i was talking about how some people have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank some people have seventy five fifty thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars in the ten thousand dollars in the bank 
this is dumb because some people are like, oh, I put it in the savings account and get the 0.01% yield. No, that's dumb. Don't do that because that's not keeping up at the rate of inflation. Nope. Okay. Now check this out. You put your money into a money market account, CD. Maybe you get 1%, 1.25%. Ooh, whoop de doo Also, I don't think that is a smart idea. I mean, it's an okay idea. I'm not going to say it's completely dumb. Don't do it at all. But I'm going to open your eyes to something that you can do that will give you more money. Check this out. So most of us have banks. Okay. Okay. I see. Okay. So you have your bank now, whatever bank, let's say you bank with chase, uh, Wells Fargo. Well, no, no, no. Let me be clear. Let's leave Wells Fargo out of this and you'll see why here in a second. Uh, so JP Morgan chase, let's say that's your bank. Let's say your bank is Wells Fargo. Let's say your bank is like mine. Regions bank. This is regions. See, I have ownership in the bank that I, that I keep my money at. I'm not just going to be dumb. I'm not just going to be like, all right, let me let you guys hold my money. You use my money to invest and make yourself money, but I'm not making money off of me putting my money into you. Here, here's how you, here's how you, uh, hack the game. So let's say you have $10,000 in, in your bank account. And you don't know what to do with it. Let's say you already got some an emergency fund worth of money, but you also have $10,000 in your bank account. You don't know what to do with it. So you're like, ah, oh, let me look at this little uh, money market account. Let me look at the CD that everyone keeps telling me about. And you do that. That's eh, 1%. What do you think the bank's doing with the with all your money? They're going to make a whole lot more off your money than you, they're giving you in that little tiny 1%. Here's what you need to do. Research your bank. Research your bank. See if it's a public company. If it is a public company, look and research your company. And I'm not going to tell you like what research to do because every investor is different and what they look at in their research and their thesis on their research. It's all different. But you want to look at how this company grows. How much debt do they have? How much revenue and profits do they make? You know, look to see if it's a good, solid company. Look at management, blah, blah, blah. Like simple, simple stuff. But also look to see if they pay a dividend. Most banks pay a dividend. And this is why I said I will leave Wells Fargo out of this exa example. Because I know a lot of people have Wells Fargo. But for the example, I will leave Wells Fargo out of this because they actually suspended their dividend. So this example won't work with Wells Fargo right now. Okay. But J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Regions Bank, good. Okay. So, and I'm sure, I'm trying to think of some other banks out there that's common. I can't, I can't really think of any. But. Those are just some of, well, Reasons Bank is not a huge bank, but J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, those are like big, big banks. Um, but these banks pay dividends. Now, check this out. Currently, I have $1,100 of ownership of my bank, Regions Bank. And let's see. I'm up uh, $232 in capital gains. I'm up. So my bank has made me $232 off of my $1,100 which if you just do like simple percentages, that's, that's over 20%. My bank has paid me just in capital appreciation. So I can cash this out right now. And of course I have to pay some taxes on the money, but and, and let's just say it's like a little under 20%, right? This is how much my bank has made me in capital appreciation alone. Okay. Now let's go even deeper because you want to have your money work for you. So Regents bank, 
pays a 5.23% dividend yield annually. That's an annualized return. So like if I had $1,000, they, they would pay me 5.23% uh, annually. But we'll just say five. We'll just, we want to do basic numbers, okay? 5%, okay? Which means if you, if you just look at my annual return for the, all of the shares that I own at Regis Bank, they're going to pay me $58.54 every year, okay? Every year for this amount of money that sits in this account. Now, let's just do this a little bit differently, okay? So let's say I have 1,000 shares of Regions Bank, which would put me, actually, let me go, let me go 950. Let's get close to 10, whoops. Let's go to, let's, I want to get close to 10,000. So let me go 875. Jeez, which actually I thought about loading up on loading up more on some regions bank shares. Go eight fifty. Okay, this is close to ten thousand. All right, so let's say you invest in my bank. Let's who knows? I, I highly doubt a lot of you guys that are listening to this invest or not invest, but actually bank with regions. They have them here in Dallas. They have them in Florida. They have them in a few places actually, but. I highly doubt you got you guys may have never even heard of Regions Bank. Currently, Bank of America, their dividend yield, I think it's three something. I think it's three something. But let's just say I have ten thousand dollars, right? Oh, I put this all into region stock. Now check this out. If I would have bought it at the average cost of nine thirty nine, which is my current uh, cost basis for for Regions Bank currently. Right now, the stock price is eleven eighty two, so I would have made oh my goodness uh, two thousand dollars worth of capital gains over over twenty percent return on my money. Imagine that, guys! Imagine that. Now, here's how much of dividends I would pay, I would get paid annually from that five hundred and twenty seven dollars. I will get $527 annually, and that's free money. Now, the capital appreciations, this stuff can fluctuate because the stock price can go down. And, of course, the dividend can fluctuate because maybe they cut it, maybe they suspend it, whatever. But, again, you do research and research to mitigate your losses, okay? So I'm looking at my bank, and I'm like, whoa, let me just park my $10,000 here. Instead of just putting it in the money market account, because either way, it's liquid. Whether you put it in a money market account, you and you know, and they're like, yeah, you can take it out whenever you want, blah blah blah. Some, you know, depending on where you put certain things, there might be fees associated with uh, withdrawing and blah blah blah. There's no, there, uh, there. I wouldn't say there's fees when you withdraw from a, a brokerage account in the stock market. There are more. I wouldn't say it's a fee, but there's a disadvantage in the short term when when you're talking about withdrawing your money from a, from a brokerage account uh, with stocks because you're going to pay more in capital gains tax if you take them out, uh, if you held the money in this account for less than a year. So it's really more of an advantage if you plan on leaving this money in there for more than a year. It's more of an advantage that way. So anywho, let's say... Okay, so let's say you put this 10 grand into your bank, but let's say over that year it lost 3% of its value, okay? But you still got paid 5% in dividends 
which offset your loss. It mitigated your loss because they also paid a dividend. Do you see how that worked, guys? Let me put this shares back because <laughs> that's why I wrote that number right here. So I, I didn't forget the number, but I actually ended up remembering the number. But this is how you use your bank to make you money. This is one thing I want to tell you guys, like this is very important. And you building wealth for yourself and your family. You got to look at ways to hack the game. Like you really have to look into ways of hacking this thing to put yourself in a better position where you can make more money and not just have them, you know, make, using your money to make them money. This is a relationship. Hey, if I got 10 grand, I'm like, ah, let me, if I got five grand, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about putting my money into the bank. Currently right now, very good time to put your money in some banks in the stock market because a lot of these uh, bank stocks, the prices are, you know, eh, not looking so good, but that's good for you because you'll get some capital appreciation with growth over time. Because let's just be honest, you invest in a good bank, especially when you talk about the big banks, they're not going out of business, guys. Like they are not going out of business. Okay. You know, they're not going to let these banks go to zero. Okay. Especially when you talk about big banks, like if you just, let's say you invest in the bank of South Carolina, look, I, look, I don't know. You know, I don't know about that bank. I, I haven't researched that company, but you know, just do your research to mitigate your losses. Okay. But this is how you hack the bank to make you more money. Now, Mateus Artenau, he says, my net worth is zero. I'm just a hustling teen right now till I can invest. Here's the thing, man. You can invest now. Remember my words, brick by brick. You don't look, not everyone has a hundred thousand dollar tranche. Not everyone has a fifty thousand dollar tranche. It's okay. Like if you don't have this, it's okay. Brick by brick is how we build wealth over here. Brick by brick. You invest slowly, share by share. Maybe you buy a few shares here, a few shares there. Starting yield and compounding will oh my god. Check this out. Look, uh, well, okay. Eh, Okay, you know what? I'm going to share my screen again because I'm going to show you something, how, how crazy brick by brick really works, okay? I'm going to show you my dividend portfolio again. So look at this. Now, look at UPS. Let me, okay, there we go. Look at UPS and look at Whirlpool, okay? I invested into these companies a few months ago because I was like, okay, I researched these companies. I was like, okay, I like these companies. I'm going to invest in these companies. So what I did was I was like, let me just, invest. Let me just buy a few shares just to get my foot in the game. And then later on, I'm going to deploy more money at them. I'm going to throw like, you know, maybe $500 at it, $1,000 at it later. Okay. So what I did was I bought three shares here. And then as you can see, I bought two shares of Whirlpool here and check this out. Why did I invest in Whirlpool? Cause some of you are like Whirlpool, like what? I, I have a Whirlpool microwave. I have a Whirlpool cook stop or cooktop. I have a Whirlpool built in ovens. I have a Whirlpool refrigerator in my house. And then you look at deeper into the company of Whirlpool. What does Whirlpool also have? Here, let's, they also have, they own ChickenAid or ChickenAid. Oh my goodness. KitchenAid. You guys know KitchenAid, the, the appliance company, KitchenAid. They own KitchenAid, which um, they, jeez, uh, what am I trying to say? They own KitchenAid. Let me look at the, let me see at the inch. Nah, damn. Uh, 
I'm going show, to show you guys something. I'm going to show you all the brands that Whirlpool has under their assembly. So check this out. So here's Whirlpool. All right. So Whirlpool has KitchenAid, Maytag, Indesit, Hotpoint, Console, uh, Brostemp, Amana, Jenner, and a bunch of stuff I can't pronounce. Now, I bet you a bunch of these other subsidiaries, you've seen these, these names somewhere before. You walk through Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever. You probably have seen some of these some of these names before. You've probably seen them. Which actually, I actually think they own a little bit more than this. Actually, I got to look. But anyway, but these are just a few. So I have a KitchenAid blender. I have a KitchenAid food processor. I have a, a lot of KitchenAid stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't I just invest in these companies? I got a bunch of this stuff. Why don't I invest in it? That's the what that that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about ownership, okay? It's not cool to just buy this stuff and be like, "Ooh, look what I got." Why not me just have some ownership as well? So check this out. What I'm talking about my man uh, Mateus, is that his name? Mateus. Mate Yeah, Mateus, Mateus. This is what I'm talking about brick by brick. So when I bought Whirlpool, I bought it at a cost basis of 121. Currently the share price of Whirlpool is 177. I have over $110 of equity right now. Now, I could have bought $5,000 worth, but I didn't at the time because I was trying to fund other companies that I was buying. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. But you see what happens brick by brick. You just buy one share. Look, what, look I just spent, what was this, 140 well, my, my market, or no, my cost basis, $243 is what I spent. Or two hundred forty-four, if you want to round it up, two hundred forty-four dollars. That just returned me over a hundred dollars. Look at UPS. I bought my cost basis per share was ninety-one ninety-two for UPS. Look at the cost basis was two seventy-five when I purchased it at. I am almost two hundred dollars in the green from UPS just from that little purchase. This is brick by brick. You don't have to throw all your money if you, especially if you don't have it. Not everyone has a ton of money, guys. Like. You, did, did you see this? Look, look, you see what happened in my portfolio? And this is what happens. Like the markets go up and down. This just happens. Okay, guys, so just to be clear. Let's, this just happens. So look, I remember looking at this number. This is my, the market value of my dividend portfolio. It was in the 26. I came back here. Now it's in the 27. You see how the, the value just changes like Apple. Like the value was a lot lower for Apple earlier. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. Ownership in these companies is very important. A lot of these companies that I have, you know, you'll be surprised at how much of 3M's products you use or Leggett and Platt. You, most of you have never heard of this company, Leggett and Platt, but you'll be surprised at how much stuff of theirs is in stuff that you guys use. You know, you might want to do your research. And then Pepsi. You look at a company like Pepsi. I love Frito-Lay. They own Frito-Lay. They own Rose Gold. They own uh, Rose, well. Whatever the pretzel is, you guys know what I'm saying, but they own a lot of this stuff and ownership is what I'm trying to get you guys on to build your wealth, to help you guys build your wealth. Like this stuff is going to really help you when you get there. This stuff is very important in building your future. So Mateus, you might not, you might say that you're not worth a zero. You're just hustling right now. You can trust me, man. I know you're a teenager. Have your parents open you up a custodial account. You can invest your money now. With a lot of these brokerages now, they have fractional shares, so you don't have to buy the whole share. You can buy a fraction. Me personally, 
I like buying the whole share. I, I'm not a big fan of fractional shares, but I get it bec- for people that don't have enough money to buy, let's say, a share of Tesla or a share of Google or Amazon because it's very expensive. Maybe you just want to get a little small little piece. That's cool. But as long as you get your foot in the game, you know, I'm not going to shame you like, oh, you can't buy a full share of Tesla. Oh, you can't buy a full share of Amazon or Google or Shopify or Chipotle, whatever. Who cares? Just get your foot in the game. You saw what I did with UPS and Whirlpool, and then you saw what happened. So, true, you might be like, oh, damn, I just made $200. Let me take this out, which I wouldn't recommend it, okay? Look, invest for the long term. The tax implications work out way better in your favor, okay? But this is what I want to tell you. So, Honey Bubba King says, I don't know what's going on, Barbara, but I hope all is well. True, things are great. <laughs> great, all right? He says, uh, off topic, would, would you recommend? Oh, come on now. That's up to you, man. That's up to you on the Clippers. DM me on Instagram. We'll talk more. He says, not the money factor is that I'm not of legal age. So I just, yeah. So I just told you, have your parents open you up a custodial account. You can start doing research on stocks now. Look, for those of you that guys that are, that are old, you maybe got kids. Like maybe you're like, "Mm, I want to save for my my kids college. Cause here's one mistake people do. They just save for their kids college and then just put they just leave it in their bank account. And they're like, okay, I'll save, you know, $2,000 here and $2,000 here, $2,000 every year until they become uh, 18 and I'll give them all this money for college. Little do they know inflation is hacking at their money. If you're investing in your kids' college funds for that long of a time, 10 plus years, five plus years, three plus years, why not open up a brokerage account? It would be dumb for you to, to not open up a brokerage account for your kid to have them use for college. So, Matthias, have your parents open open you up a brokerage account. You can start doing research on stocks. Let's just say you just put money into ETFs, okay, until you start getting – and it's, it's a lot easier to do research on ETFs than it is to do on individual stocks. So, invest your money into some ETFs. Start gaining the knowledge on the stock market, how, how it works, how to research a company, how to analyze, blah, blah, blah. Then once you become 18 – Dude, you're going to become a monster. You take control of this account, you know, and do whatever it is you want with the money that you have. Maybe you want to use it to go to barber college, use it to whatever. But I would recommend you just keep the money there, to be honest with you. But you become a monster once you become 18 and you take full control of the account. So he says, uh, do you just put money on a company and leave it or do you sell out uh when you got your profits. No. So as you saw there, like a lot of these companies, a lot of the companies, if you saw in my portfolio are in the green. So apparently I guess today is a really good day. Let me, let me look at, uh, let me look at my dividend portfolio. Ooh. Okay. So it's up a little bit. It's up a little bit. It's not performing as well as the overall markets. Because uh, in this dividend portfolio, I don't have a lot of tech stocks, as you can see. The only tech stock I have is Apple. Uh, and that was a recent one, which right now, well, you guys can't see. I didn't share my screen. But Apple was taking up 25% of my portfolio just because I, I, I like, deployed a huge tranche at Apple. But, uh, but no, I do not take out when, when I just see profits. That's just dumb. You know, I invest for the long term, and I suggest everyone else suggest for the long term. If you're just in this to try and get – a little slam bam, thank you, man. You're gonna if you're if you're, especially if you're constantly looking for this every time you deploy money in the market, you're looking to get out and you know get your money real quick. 
I, I don't recommend that stuff, man. Like for the long term, when you think about long term investing, one, the tax implications are way in your favor. And then two, the possibilities of growth is in your favor. You know, you can get a you can get a uh, have a company that you have and man, like some companies appreciate and value so much where if you're just looking to get, make a quick buck, it's not worth it. It's more worth it to long-term invest because most of the time people that are in it for the short term, they're not deploying like a hundred thousand dollars into a stock to try and, you know, make maybe make a thousand off a of flip. Like, nah, that's not the case for a lot of people. Okay. So invest for the long-term guys, but that that's, uh, yeah, and exactly. Anish, he's always saying he lost a lot of money uh, in options. A lot of people, they get caught up in, in doing the options and these little quick plays, especially when they don't even understand the stock market. That's the worst thing to try and do is to try and get into day trading, get into option trading, because the lifestyle, the allure of it, someone's saying, oh, you can make quick money in options, which is true, but you got to be smart. Um, you know, if you were smart. So here's the thing. I do not recommend you day trade or do option trading or swing trading if you do not understand how to research a company. Because researching the company plays a big part in option trading, in day trading. A lot of this stuff plays a big part into that as well. So a lot of people like to skip steps. They want to go all the way to level 10 when they didn't even finish level two. They didn't even pass level two yet. So be careful with this. I always recommend people, if you're new to the markets, don't start doing crazy stuff until about year three to five. Very serious. Three to five, because even in year one, you might pick up a lot of knowledge. Year two, you might absorb a lot, a lot of knowledge. But there's, there are things when you go back in year two, whatever, you might, be, you might go back like, whoa, I remember uh, listening to someone say this uh, a year ago, but it resonates a lot better with me now because I have more knowledge. Like when you hear it now, it's like, ooh, I really, it really makes sense in the total picture versus you just hear it and like, ooh, that sounds cool. But yeah, it, it sounded cool, but you didn't really understand what was going on. You just hear these terms, but you don't know how they affect a company, how they affect a company's performance, how it might actually affect your research when you're researching a company. So just be very careful. Uh, when it comes to a stock brokerage, when you're in the beginning, I'm going to be honest with you. Just, just pick one and go. I'm just gonna be real. Like you can use Robinhood, you know, you can use M1, Weeble, E-Trade, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, um, TD Ameritrade, like whatever. Like just, just pick one and go. Here's the thing. Even when people talk about Clippers and stuff like this, I always tell people just pick one, go. You'll figure out what you like, then you can transfer over to another brokerage because here's the thing i'm gonna give you guys a tip this, this is one of the last little tips i'm gonna give you before i get out of here so you can like what, what i tell you guys about just pick a brokerage and go just pick one and go you'll figure out what you like and dislike about a brokerage once you use this brokerage who knows maybe you just you pick the perfect one you're like oh damn i love it like i love the inner the user interface of it i like the layout it's very easy for me to digest i, I love that they have good customer service i love that they have a web interface and an app I love it. Cool. The, or you might be like, damn, the customer service sucks over here. I can't even talk to a human being. Like, you, you know, you may hate that about this particular brokerage, but you might love it in the, your next future one. So what you'll do then is this. You'll start researching brokerages that are more to your liking. 
a lot of brokerages, because a lot of them are competing with each, with each other, a lot of them, what they'll do is, you might say, like, if they don't have this already, because some of them do, because actually, uh, when I opened up my Webull account, they actually have this feature where they're like, they because they want you to come over to their brokers. They're like, come on, come to Webull, come to Webull. So what, they, what they'll allow you to do is do an ACAS transfer. So they'll say, hey, move your brokerage over to Webull, and we'll refund the ACAS transfer. Which ACATS, all it is is just a transfer of a brokerage over to another. And typically, most brokerages will charge a fee anywhere between 75 to 100 bucks, somewhere around there, to do this transfer. But a lot of brokerages, because they're competing with each other, they'll be like, hey, we'll refund the ACATS transfer or they'll waive the transfer fee just so you can come over to our brokerage. So, like I say, it doesn't matter. Just pick a brokerage and go. In the, in the description below, there's a link to Robinhood. There's a link to Webull. Link with Robinhood, you get a free stock if you sign up. Link for Webull, you get a free stock when you sign up, and then you fund your account on $100. You get another free stock for a total of two free stocks. That's free money, guys. Like, <laughs> free, free money, okay? So, Carlos is saying, uh, in 1997, if you were to put 10K into Amazon, you'd have more than 12 million right now. Think about it. Yep. Just like with Apple. If you were to put 10K into Apple in, like, 2003, or whatever, you'd have millions of dollars right now. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. It's crazy, but this is what I want to tell you guys. Do your research, get good research. Don't just go completely speculative and just stuff that you don't know what the hell you're investing in. Don't do that. That's that's dummy stuff. Don't do this. Research in companies that you understand and that you know, okay? Like, there's companies that I would, I would have loved to invest in, but I don't understand the business, so I don't invest in the business. It's that simple. You know, I'm not going to be upset that, ooh, I missed out on this deal. Trust me, there's going to be plenty of other deals in the market, okay? And it just is what it is. So invest for the long term, guys. Like, this is my recommendation for you guys. Invest for the long term, especially if you're young. Just imagine. Like the example he just said with Amazon, just like the example I just mentioned with Apple, you know, you put 10 grand into something like I gave this example um, a few weeks ago, maybe like over a month ago. If you would have put $350 into monster stock in 2002, you would be a millionaire. $350. We're not talking about 10 grand like he's talking about with Amazon and like what I'm talking about with Apple. I'm talking about dollars. If you put like $350, $500 into monster energy stock in 2002, you'd ha you'd be a millionaire right now. It's crazy how the market works and investing for the long term. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, imagine like, oh, man, like, are you making this much money trading? You know, like some people do some, but not all. Some, not all. OK, so research companies, guys. Be the CEO of your family name. Listen to whatever to everything I just told you. I just laid out how I plan to become a millionaire in eight to ten years, if not sooner. Right? If, you know, I, I got to make some executive decisions, but eight to ten years, I will become a millionaire. You're gonna see it, like on the channel. You're gonna see the growth of everything. So I'm gonna be posting videos. I'm gonna be po you know talking about stuff, and you guys will see. And I honestly hope you guys start investing now with me. Like start investing like you can get on the journey and you don't you don't have to. Right. Just because I might spend this much money in a stock or I might do the like and you can't don't get discouraged. Maybe just put 500. Right. Like, you're like, ah, I can't do 
I can't spend $7,000 into Apple, but I can spend like a thousand or 500. Do that, do it. Okay. It's better to do it than not do it. Because once you look at hindsight, you're going to be pissed off, pissed off. Okay. So get in there now, start making you some money. Okay. I want you guys to win. I don't want you guys to see me at the moment when I'm, when I'm rich, you know, I'm buying houses, you know, you see the Lambos and stuff. I, I, I don't want to see you guys upset. Like, Oh man. Like, and then you're like, dang, he did this in all this time. I was watching the whole time. This could have been you as well. You just got to take some action. Okay. You got to take some action. So I'll see you guys in the next video. I appreciate y'all for uh, tuning in and listening to this. Hopefully it resonated. Hopefully uh, this information will actually help you like, you know, kick in the ass or something. You know, some people, they hear stuff over and over and they don't take action. And then sometimes it's that moment where like you, you see it and you're like, Oh, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to get started now. And that just changes their trajectory. You got to make executive decisions. If you have a family, you have kids, if you're married, you're the CEO of your family name. Think about how you are performing as CEO. Analyze your performance. I told you earlier, my first three years of being CEO since we moved in, or no, first, yeah, first three years, I wasn't a good CEO. I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't a good CEO. This past year, I've been a very good CEO. And the, the uh, if you want to talk about like forward PE, right, because that's one thing they're talking about in the, uh, in the stock market, the forward PE and the trailing 12 months, I've, I, the prospects are looking good for the forward PE. The trailing 12 months looks great for, you know, as far as me as CEO, right? I, I've been a good CEO. The projections look good for the future for me being CEO. So I'm just letting y'all know, okay? So don't forget to like, share this, and uh, with anyone who you know might find a helpful that needs to hear this. But I'm just, I'm just trying to help you guys make money. Uh, and I have a lot of videos where I'm, I'm giving you stuff on how to make free money, especially like with the bank. Don't just leave your money in the bank. Don't just... Be smarter than putting your money into a CD or a money market account. Be smarter than that. I just showed you how I'm making money off of my bank. And I'm actually going to deploy more money into my, uh, my bank stock. I'm actually probably going to put like a, a good two to three grand in there maybe next week. But I really want to buy some more Tesla shares. <laughs> but we're going to talk more about this stuff. Like just catch me on the podcast and all that stuff. But like I said, if you want, sign up to the Patreon. That's where, you know, if you really want to talk to me about this stuff and you're serious, sign up to the Patreon and we can talk there. There's a link in the description below. But it's been your man. I do it signing out. You know, it's, you know what happens next. I'll holla.